Good morning, everyone. We're glad to have you join us for this week's broadcast. We pray that today's message will be a blessing to you. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We usually recap our Sunday morning service from the previous Sunday. This morning, we're going to look at our previous Wednesday night's Bible study lesson. Our scripture is coming from Psalm chapter 9. We'll start out with just the first verse. David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. The first thing I want you to see is the consuming praise. David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. My whole heart. If you have a dog or a pet at home, whenever they come in, whenever you come in, you notice just how excited they get. Why is that? Because their whole heart is happy to see you. But the next thing you know, they might be a rabbit or something run alongside and distract them. Well, I believe that that is a good example of what happens to many Christians today. We come into church on Sunday morning or Wednesday night and we say we come to praise the Lord. We come to worship Him, but we're not giving Him our whole heart. There is a distraction in place. That distraction might be something you're looking forward to later. It might be something that there's not anything wrong with in itself, except for the fact that it is taking a space, it is taken away from your worship of the Lord. But it might also be a sin. It might be something that should not be there. If we are worshiping a holy God, we cannot worship Him and give Him our whole heart if even five or ten percent of our heart has sin in it. We must make sure our heart is right with the Lord. We must make sure we come in and we are ready to worship him. David here, I believe, has in mind a praise that is a heart overflowing with thoughts of God's amazing grace. Still in verse number one, we're going to look at convincing praise. David said, I will show thy marvelous works. God had done many great things in David's life. He had taken him from a shepherd to a king. He had delivered Goliath into his hand. He had protected him from Saul. Let me ask you, what has God done for you? What has God done in your life? Can the world see a difference in you? Better yet, can your family, can your children, can your spouse, can those that are closest to you see what God has done in your life? But not only that, can they see what he's doing? If you're saved, there should be a change in your life, but it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual growth. It's a continual improvement. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. In Philippians 1, 6, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You should still see a place where God is working in your life. You should be getting closer and closer to God, closer and closer to Him every day. We should see we should see a convincing praise that the world sees how you're worshiping Him by your actions, by what you're doing. They should see something in you that would let them believe in our God. Let's go to verse number two. Now I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. We see here a celebratory praise. 
David said, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. David doesn't say, I'll be glad and smile. No, rejoice is much closer to jumping for joy. When we praise God, there should be a celebration. We need to remember we don't don't serve a lowly, defeated God. We serve a victorious, most high God who is seated in heaven. If we talk to you today and we found out that you had just been adopted, we don't have a king here, but you had just been adopted into the royal family in England, there would be a celebration. You would be excited. Well, I want you to know we're not adopted into the royal family of England. We're adopted into God's royal family, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We once served the world or self, but we are promoted to a child of the king. We are adopted into the royal family. We're not just, we're not, Jesus just isn't our savior, but he is also our brother. We are adopted with him. Hallelujah. We should be able to rejoice. There should be a celebration when we come into the church house. We shouldn't come in this morning just kind of dragging in, just kind of making our way. No, we should be excited to worship our Lord. And we should pray that God will make that fresh and new every day as we go out. We are part of the King's family. Hallelujah. We should be able to rejoice. Let's see verse number three. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou settest in the throne, judging right. We see a coherent praise that's logical, consistent. It just makes sense. Look at David. He was called to be king. Whenever that calling appeared to be in jeopardy, who protected his right to the throne? God did. God did. Sunday, last Sunday, we talked about how God has proven himself time and time again at the church. Well, that should be us. It just makes sense. If we look back in our life at all the prayer requests that God has answered, all the times that we didn't think we could go on, we could keep going, and we stopped and we prayed, and God come by and he intervened and he helped us and he encouraged us and he strengthened us. All the times there may be sickness that you went through and you prayed and God has healed you. You may have a friend or a loved one that you prayed for years for God to save, and now they're saved and they're serving God. Well, it just makes sense to praise a holy God. The enemy may come against the righteous, but the righteous judge is on the throne seeing all. We may not understand everything that God's doing, but we should should trust Him. I want you to see in verse number 5, we see a coming Praise, verse number five, thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked, thou hast put out their name forever and ever. There's much pain in the world today, but rest assured there is a day coming. David may not see the day of the Lord's rule as clearly as we do looking back with the light of the New Testament illuminating God's holy word, but here he prophesies about the day that God is going to make all things right. The great and mighty men someday will perish and Although their names may be on the news every day in a household name, there will be a day that those who rejected the Lord will be forgotten forever. Think about any name you want to, anybody that you hear all the time being mentioned on the news, all the time being talked about, somebody that everybody around you, all your, all your friends, your neighbors, everybody knows, if they've not accepted the Lord, the reality is there'll be a day that their name will be put out forever and ever. God will choose to not remember them anymore as they perish in hell for all eternity. Verse number six, 
O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end, and thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. Many today live for the world. They build big cities and towers to make sure their name is known, but the end is coming, and everything they have treasured and done will perish with them. Perpetual means it is fixed. It is settled. There is no reversing this. If you reject Christ and die in that state of rejection, your eternity is fixed. It is settled. There's no hope. Once you take your life's breath, there is no hope if you have died and you have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and all the things that you thought was so important, all the things that you put all your time and your effort into here and you build up, they will perish with you. They will be gone with you. They'll burn, they'll vanish away. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Look at this. The Lord will endure. In other words, he isn't going anywhere. He's not changing. He will stand and judge, and his judgment will stand. We praise God for his grace. We praise God for his mercy, but we should also praise him for his righteous rule. You may know somebody that says that God done them wrong. Well, I promise you that's not the case. God's not done any of us wrong. We may not understand why things have happened the way they did. A lot of it is just because we live in a sin-cursed world, but I promise you God has not done you wrong. He's not done me wrong, and he's not done anybody wrong. God is righteous. He is just. He is fair. He will protect us. Someday we all get to be with him in glory. If we got what we deserved, we would be in hell. But God sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins so we could be with him in eternity. He is righteous. Thank God. I'm glad we serve a God that we don't have to worry about offense. We don't have to worry about doing something and all of a sudden him him just turned his back on us. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm glad we serve a God that will protect us and take care of us forever. I want us to see next of all in verse 9 and 10, we see compassionate praise. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know the name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. We see a compassionate praise here. A lot of times when people fall into trouble or oppressed, those who are not in trouble, those who are not oppressed, they want to forget those who are. But I'm glad God doesn't forget them. I'm glad God doesn't forget us when we fall into trouble. We serve a compassionate God. He is a refuge for those oppressed or in trouble. We should remember his compassion to us, and we should have that same compassion ourselves. Philippians 2, 5, Paul wrote, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let's look at communicated praise in verse number 11. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. Declare among the people his doings. We should praise him not just here at church but everywhere we go. Don't keep your testimony to yourself. If God has saved you, let people know. If God has brought you out of sin and the bondage that goes with it, praise him publicly for the deliverance. In verse number 12, when he maketh inquisition for the blood, he remembereth them, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Yes, the world may not like it when we praise him. They may not like it 
when we lift him up. There's been times throughout the centuries when people died for praising God. They died for not rejecting him. But there is a day coming. There will be a day in America. There will be a day across the world where it means death. But know that God will avenge the blood of his children. Let's just trust him. Let's just trust him. Let's look at considerate praise in verse number 13. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me, that thou that thou that lifteth me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all the praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Let's see this considerate praise. See, David remembers first how God hears the cries of the humble, but here David asks God, remember me. David promises to give God the glory for all that he does. The greater goal of man when God answers prayer should be to bring glory to God. Don't just be happy for the peace and comfort brought to us. Remember who is worthy of our praise. It says in verse 14, Rejoice in thy salvation. David doesn't say my salvation. He knows salvation is of the Lord. In glorifying him, we can celebrate. We can rejoice in the salvation of others. Let's look at convenient praise in verses 15 and 16. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In that net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Salah. The wicked snared in their own nets. Isn't it something how those that go against God just complete his purpose? Esau and Isaac plot against the purpose of God and what they do, they ended up serving it. Joseph's brothers fight against God's plan and they only further. Haman built a gallows for Mordecai and he was executed on it himself, started in motion the foretold execution of his people. Even the plots of the Jews against Jesus only fulfilled prophecy and brought forth the death and resurrection of our Savior. Isn't it something how God works everything according to his plan, according to his purpose? Verses 17 through 20, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God for the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that is, the nations may know themselves to be but men. Salah, there's an end coming, and that is, hell, those who forget God and set themselves above him will not prevail. David, ask God to remind the nations of the world they are not God. We have people with a God complex that think they are God, but let's remember we don't have a right or ability to judge or decide what's right or wrong. There's one judge, righteous and true, one God, and he is his word will stand. Let's remember to praise him this morning. If you don't have a home church, we'd love to invite you to visit us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you missed any part of this, if you'd like to hear it again, we do put all these messages on Spotify. God bless.